It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. City Discount Tires. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tire. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, yes. Who let the dogs out? Bulldogs getting a massive win over Richmond last night. 126-71. Beautiful sunny day for Adelaide this morning. We've got a massive show coming up for you. Very interesting session of Tell Me Bryce about the, the deep well within his mind. Uh, we're talking about motivational reserves. Massive week that was as well. There was some bizarre stuff. A lot of people dressing up as animals. Question time and Gold Coast assistant coach uh, Tate Kessler is going to be joining us to uh, talk about the massive game. Dare I say it? Both Crows and Port, uh, both Crows and Gold Coast are mathematically still a chance to play finals. So we're going to get into that. But before so, I've got to say hello to my good friend Bryce Gibbs. How are you? I love the moustache. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning to everyone this morning. Yeah, as you said, lovely morning out mm. there. The sun's shining. It's a little bit chilly, but. Beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Have you ever been one to wear Lycra and go for a bike ride, Bryce? Uh, no, I'm not a bike rider. On my way in this morning, the sun was out and the Lycra guys were riding in along Port Road, huge pack of them. And I saw this car approaching and I was like, oh no, you've got to give them the space that they want. Otherwise, because sometimes I call it the hornet's nest. And uh, he went beep, 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 beep. And they all erupt. Oh, get out of this our space. Uh, so perfect weather for cycling. Yeah, it certainly is. I actually saw a few on the way in myself. They're certainly, oh, yeah. but, but they go in force, don't they? they yeah, yeah. They go in, in numbers. Numbers of 10, 20 and you got 40. a really wide berth when you, you go around. Yeah, them, just let, give them the space they need. Then you come click clacking through the cafe yeah, for some coffee. Big show today, as you yeah. said, Tommy. And you're right, the Bulldogs, geez, geez, they're back, I reckon. They, mm. They've been a frustrating side to watch this year and probably even more frustrating to follow because they're good, can contend with the best. And Absolutely. some of their games have been very, very average. But when they play like they did last night, mm. they, I'll tell you what, you don't want to be playing them in September this year, I don't think. Absolutely not. And that's why there has been such high expectation on them from the beginning of the year is because they've got that potential and they've got the list. Like guys like Bons and Pelly, uh, fantastic leader. Hugo Hagen's really come into his own. They've got stars everywhere, Tom, yeah. across that, that whole list, really. Uh, Trelaw, Liberatore, Bailey Dale's having an outstanding year. Mm. Caleb Daniel's a, a great player, the, arguably the best ruckman in the comp in Tim English. Yeah. Bailey Smith starting to get going as well. So, yeah, there's – in terms of talent and, and quality players, they're, they're littered through this through this squad. So, if mm. they can get going like they did last night – and I'll, I'll have to have a look at the stats, but it looked like they kicked the ball a little bit more than they used to. We know how yeah. damaging they are by hand and can flick the ball around and sometimes can over Do it. over handball and, and find themselves getting caught in trouble. But – yeah, they kicked the ball, got got yardage, and and got it into their forwards quickly. And as you said, Hugo Hagen kicked uh, four or five. Mm. 
so yeah, they uh, they're starting to get their tails up and their confidence up, which is a, a scary proposition for opposition sides. Mm. Uh, Tim English, yeah, he's an incredible ruck, and I did notice that that they they have this handball game that they flick it around the back first before it goes forward, which can sometimes. Uh, have the forwards, you know, just waiting for that right time to go. But last night it felt like they were just propelling forwards a lot quicker. Yeah, just surge the ball a little bit more, as you said, Tom. Sometimes they can overhandle it, get themselves into trouble. But, yeah, they, they seem to maybe use one handle, then kick it forward, which, you know, does make it more predictable for your forwards. But mm. I'll declare it now, Marcus Bondempelli, he'll win the Brownlow this yeah. year. He, he will be uh, possibly captain of all Australians. So a lot of captains actually in the running for all Australian. You've got uh, a bit of Lockie Neal, probably Jordan Dawson. Um, also today, Bryce, we're going to do a, a little bit of a tell me Bryce up next. And we're talking about, I won't go too much into it, but we're talking about this thing called motivational reserves. Cause I was listening to Nat Fife talk about where he goes to in his mind when he needs to lift, when he's, when he's got no petrol left in the tank and I find that part of sport fascinating because there's different approaches. Some guys do it. Some guys just don't even need to do it. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting space, isn't mm. it? And it's probably something that's only relatively new, I think, to to the AFL world. And, yeah. and I know, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was something that w- wasn't really worked on or wasn't really known. But the more the game's gone to a, to a mental side, yeah. you know, being strong mentally and and be able to work through things from from a mental point of view. Yeah, players and and clubs have sort of delved into that space a little bit more and and have used different techniques and trialled Mm. different techniques to to try and get that extra, you know, few percent to to help your game, whether it's on or off the field. Yeah, uh, Richmond, I'm going to forget her name, but it'll come to me soon. Richmond's psychologist... She was a bit of a groundbreaker as well. And she, she releases these videos for uh, mere mortal civilians as well. But it's all about just uh, detaching from the outcome, forgetting about whether playing well or not playing well is part of your personal identity and just uh, losing all those outcome focuses. And uh, certainly helps the Tigers. Well, it, it helps individuals, I mm. think, more so than potentially the, the whole squad. Because some guys buy into it those sort of things really well and, and some sort mm. of a bit sceptical and sort of don't quite go we all in on it, uh, so to speak. So um, some guys get more out of it than others. Um, mm. You know, if you can get half your list to, to buy into those sort of things and, and benefit from it, fantastic. But then if it's if it doesn't work for you also, well, then that's okay. You, yeah. know, you can keep trying to find other ways to to keep you going when, when times are a little bit tough. Yep. Bryce, I was up at Port Douglas this week on a nice family sort of getaway. Very warm weather up there. Sort of every day is is permanently 26 degrees. So it was good to relax. But I I wanted to tell you about this couple's massage that we had. And I discovered a new thing that I'd never known about before called disposable underwear. And they made me wear this uh, underwear that was, uh, was made of, almost made of paper, really. And it was, on me, it became a G string. So it wasn't underwear, but... I'd never heard of disposable underwear before. Have you? Uh, yeah, I, I oh. knew it was a thing. Yep. When did you wear? Uh, have to wear it. What every Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> every second Tuesday? No. Um, never had a spray tan, Tom. No, no. Have you? A couple of times. Oh. <laughs> before round one, or? Yeah. <laughs> I need one now, actually. Are you kidding me? 
Oh, man. Yeah, so tell us about it. Yeah, well, they uh, we went in and we met these two guys who are our uh, masseuses, and they were partners. One was an Argentinian man. Very, He didn't need a spray tan at all. My wife, Jessica, says, I've bagged the Argentinian. And I was like, okay, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why. Um, I mean, he was a bit of a specimen. And then we get led into this dark room. <laughs> the, the, that's why. <laughs> is that the, the reason? <laughs> We get led into this dark room. So my guy is this bigger, balding man, and uh, we're lying side by side. It's an interesting experience. It's a couple's massage. We're side by side. The Argentinian is doing his work on my wife right next to me, and I'm, I've got this bigger, fatter, balding guy doing his work on me. And because of the disposable underwear, it becomes like a G-string. He put a massive focus into my – is that – Called your glutes. Oh, the, the... You, you have complained many a time on this show <laughs> that your glutes have been, yeah, been yeah, very sore. Tight. So maybe you've just got tight glutes, Tom. Well, I reckon, and because I run a couple of times a week and I don't really stretch, all he had to do he just touched me there, just touched, and it killed. I like yelped like a little dog. Ow! <laughs> had to tell him to go easy, but yeah, recommend it. It's a good experience. Uh, they're bringing in all these um, scents, though. Like uh, it was a bit of a wank with the, the scents, and they were rubbing sand all over our bodies to exfoliate. Do you, do you know what that is, Tom? That that just that's so romantic. It is For you and your lovely wife, Jessica, yeah. just to spend some time together, getting a nice couples massage. Yeah, well done, mate. Thanks. Well, done. well was, uh, Jessica was actually the one who booked it and paid for it, but um, <laughs> thank you. It was. Uh, I could thoroughly recommend. I, I don't think the scents and the the sand. Was worth our time, but uh, the massage itself, yeah, I thought he did a good job. During the week this week, Bryce, Gold Coast CEO Mark Evans has uh, caught a plane out to Milan to make a proposal to him. How would you feel being that wanted? Damien Hardwick, he's, uh, they've flown out to him. How would you feel being that wanted? Well, I've got a similar story. That actually oh, happened yes. to me too, yeah. Tom. So uh, what happened? I wasn't in Europe or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, Bendigo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don Pike actually flew to uh, Noosa really to uh, catch up with me before uh, the, uh, the the all the, the, the trade the stuff famous went trade. down. So, so what uh, year was it that? It certainly does happen. What year was that? Twenty seventeen. Uh, that was the year before the yeah. end of twenty sixteen. Yeah, so, but and so, but then you came across in t- at the end of 2017, yeah. So, well, the trade was denied. Yes, in right. 20 uh, late 2016. 2016. So yeah, yeah, flew out to uh, Noosa to come have a coffee and a bit of a chat on what it might look like. So yeah, it certainly does happen. But yeah, they uh, they want their man and bowl reports. It's done and dusted. Yeah, well, I thought I thought it was a bit superfluous to be flying over there when they could just tell him over the phone, hey, here's. Uh, over a million dollars a year plus uh, endorsement money, yay or nay. It seems a bit much to fly over. But I guess, you know, maybe that's the, the man's way, face-to-face sort of thing. Um, what do you remember from Don Pike in that meeting? What what did he say to you? No, it was pretty short, sharp, just more about the club and mm. how what their vision looks like and how they want to play and yeah. what they're thinking uh, in the next couple of years and, and where I might fit into that that sort of plan. So basically he just sat there and lied to me <laughs> for an hour. Lied to your face. We want you in the guts for five years. Yeah. Next minute, two meters yeah. later. I'm in the sand. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's pretty funny how that worked out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it certainly does happen when, when clubs want people in their organization, yeah. they go out and 
make a face to face. Make, make pitch. it happen, yeah. Yeah. No, I like it because you also you lose over the phone. I guess you lose so much of the uh, subliminal communications. Like when you see someone face to face, you see their smile, their body language. It's ten times better than over the phone. Yeah, certainly. You, you get a much better feel for the person, as you just said, Tom. And and a lot of the time. You, you need to have talent and, and be good at what you do to come into that club, but yeah. you've still got to be a good person as well. Clubs put a high priority on character and yeah. and you can sort of get a lot more understanding of the person face-to-face, that's for sure. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Took Miller gave Zane Zorka a little bit of a squirrel grip during that game. Do you reckon that was intentional? I'd like to think not. <laughs> I'd like to think not. But, yeah. you know, in the in the moment, he's trying to tackle, trying to – you know, you get taught when you're tackling to, to grab a limb or grab something to, to pull pull him down. Mm. Uh, and yeah. whether he thought Dane Zorko, uh, he grabbed his forearm, I'm not too yeah. sure, Tom. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. if it was a one-off, you know, accidents do happen. Mm. But I don't know, you were telling me before the show – might have been reported that it uh, happened, happened a couple, a, couple, a couple of times throughout the game. So yeah. if that's the case, that's uh, that's not an accident. I wouldn't have thought. But Took Miller, yeah, he's obviously a fantastic player. He's the captain of that club. Uh, he seems like a pretty straight shooter. So yeah, you would think hard to believe it would have been intentional. He plays within the rules like that. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one actually. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. You know, the squirrel grip, that's a weird thing to see on the footy field. What are the weirdest things you've seen on a sporting field? We'll discuss this throughout the show, but there was, of course, uh, what was the rugby player's name? Hopawate or yeah, something? Hopawate. Yeah. yeah. Geez, what a time. Roaming fingers, Hopawate. Yep. Uh, disappearing fingers. Weirdest things you've seen on a sports field, 0427 154 166. We want to go down memory lane there. Bryce, we are here for Lumo Energy SA, SENSA Studio Lumo is that number one King William Street, and it's powered by Lumo Energy SA. City discount tyres, four-wheel drive, drive tyre deals are on now. It's a top of 15 degrees today, currently 13 minutes to 10. Up next, tell me, Bryce, we're going to go deep into the recesses of Bryce Gibbs' mind to find out about motivational reserves. City discount tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W all-terrain tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, good morning, Adelaide. So good to have your company this morning. Top of 15 degrees today. It's currently 10 to 10. Massive round, as always, for our South Australian teams. Port Adelaide taking on Geelong in where they look the most vulnerable, actually, Bryce, I must say, in a long time that I've seen Geelong. So not a bad time for Port Adelaide to get them. Uh, we were asking on the text line what is the most bizarre thing you've seen on the sporting field after the old Tuke Miller squirrel grip. And uh, Steve has reminded us about the time that Chris Judd did the pressure point. I can't remember who was, who did he push the pressure point of? I I'm not sure either, actually, now that you've uh, just put me on the spot there. <laughs> yeah. You could have I, just had a break. I could have looked it up in the break, Tom. No, no. I, I prefer to keep you on your toes. <laughs> the uh, There's no audio of, of that game online, but we've, of course, got that famous uh, part of Fev referring to it. 35 metres out from the West Tigers line there. Played by a... And that's the one grab. Ah! Pressure point! Pressure point! Pressure point! 
There we go. It was Michael Riscatelli. That's Tom, right. I think who might have been tagging him. Yeah. In that game, so Juddy obviously fed up with a uh, bit of attention from Michael and decided to uh, give him a pressure point. Yep. Uh, it's time for this. Tell me, Bryce. Tell me, sweet little Bryce. Pretty sick of talking about it, to be honest. Tell me, Bryce. Yes, Tommy Bryce, where we delve into the recesses of Bryce Gibbs' mind uh, to get your perspective on something that we might be curious about. Now, I heard on a podcast, Nat Fife, he was on the Howie Games, and this was actually a little while ago he said this, but he was talking about this thing called motivational reserves, and it really resonated with me because I think about, say, if I'm on a run and I begin to think about something like my family or performing or something like that, I'll feel a bit of a lift in my energy and uh, push myself a bit further. And I wonder if it's the same for you guys as AFL players when you need to draw on something else to get you through. Um, look, oh, actually, Bryce, you know what? I'll play the grab so you can get an idea, and then I want to ask you about it. So this is Nat Fife on Howie's show. Nat, where do you take yourself when physically it becomes really difficult, whether it's a weight session, a running session, deep in time on in the third or fourth quarter of a game, such a mental thing, sport, where, where do you take yourself to achieve physically? Yeah, I mean, so for the first part of that question around in your preparation phase, I call in my what I call motivational reserves, which I'm constantly filling back up. And I do that through travel. I do that through um, meeting people and sharing experience. I do that through the close people around me and how much my journey affects them uh, and also personal ambition. So those things all mixed in together create my motivational reserves. And if I have to reach for it during a weight session or a training session isolated somewhere, I generally can unlock some of those reserves quite easily. I use music to do that. Sometimes I'll use YouTube videos or um, little things that remind me of different motivational fuels. Inside a game, I find that, a little bit easier in that it's just a competitive nature, which I'm fortunate to be born with in many ways and that I get real motivation from feeling like people are relying on me to perform. Yeah, so Bryce, is that something that resonates with you at all? Do you ever draw upon motivational reserves? Yeah, it's certainly a, a space that's come a long way, especially mm. in, in the AFL landscape over oh, probably the last five to ten years, Tom, and, mm. and we know how physical physically uh, prepared you need to be to, to play this this game of AFL these days it's such a, a demanding sport but yeah as I said the the more mental side of the game has been an area where clubs and, and players have really delved into it a lot more than than we ever used to and and there was some things uh, that Carlton did and, and Adelaide were doing uh, around the time I was there um, camp yeah other, other than uh, the, the camp. <laughs> But, you know, they would try things like a meditating coach. They yeah, had yeah. a bloke called Steve Griffiths who, mm. whether you buy into that sort of stuff or not, some guys got a lot out of it. Some guys thought it was rubbish and didn't get anything out of it whatsoever. But, you know, having triggers that, as sort of Nat said then, he used travel and family and mm. yeah, other intrinsic motivations that when he was in a tough place, things were, were tough, weren't going well for him, he could focus on that and get inspiration to, mm. to come out of yourself and continue to, to do well. Um, I, I sort of, I didn't really, I, I tried it a few times in yeah. terms of like guys, um, from a game day point of view, they would write triggers on their, on their wrist yes. or on their hands. So remind them who they're playing for. 
that. So yeah. use their family as motivation or if, if they had a couple of game day focuses uh, mm. that, you know, the hustle and bustle in a game, you, your mind can wander at times and there yeah. can be periods of the game where you just sort of tune out a little bit and then you snap <laughs> back into it and you go, oh, geez, where'd that last 10 minutes go? That That's mm. actually a real thing. So guys would have triggers on their hand to, to keep them present, keep mm. them focused on, on the job at hand. So uh, I did try that a couple of times, but then found at the end of the game, I'd look at my wrist and we go, oh, I actually had a couple of words on my hand. I didn't even use them. So... Uh, <laughs> That, yep. that was something that didn't quite work for me. Uh, and then, I don't know, in the preseason, th- that's probably when you, I needed it the most. Uh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't uh, like to pr- uh, preseason too much. I struggled a little bit. Uh, but I, I'd, I just tried to keep one foot <laughs> in front <laughs> of the other, other when, when the, the bear was jumping on the back or, or the demons were starting to hit yeah. late in, uh, in a tough, long uh, preseason session. But, uh, yeah, guys – as I said, have been trying to figure out different mm. ways and that, that work for them when they, they get in these sort of spaces. And, and it's something that the AFL world has, you know, sort of delved into a lot more in more recent years. So as far as you're concerned, when, when you're playing, when you were playing AFL, uh, in no way remotely possible, were you thinking outside anything beyond, uh, let's just get the ball? Well, what gives you confidence on game day? And that sort of, mentioned it a little bit in terms of being a competitive person, but, and the preparation, your preparation is the key. If, mm. if you know that you have, you know, trained well in recent weeks or, you know, over a preseason, you've mm. done your extras, uh, in terms of working on your game, uh, learning from past experiences when you yep. might've been in those situations before that gives you the confidence on game day to then go out and execute or, or stay present mm. when you need to. So I think preparation and, and leaning on past experience in from a game day point of view is the easiest thing. And that was something that helped me. So instead of thinking of you know my family, mm. I, I'd be like, no, I've actually, in the last three weeks, I've done five more extra sessions than I was supposed to. Yes. So when the crunch time comes, I know I've done the work to execute when it really matters, yeah. for example. So basically you're saying your mind is the equivalent of that that Homer Simpson scene where he's got the monkey uh, clanking the cymbals not, throughout the whole not necessarily whole game. not necessarily <laughs> but, but being but, but doing the extras and and being prepared for it yeah. allows you to execute off your instincts rather yes. than right. thinking about it in the moment, because in the as we know, you can't just call a timeout and have five minutes to think <laughs> about how you're going to play the next yeah. play. It all happens so quickly, but if you, you st- you've studied it and you've worked on it and, and your preparation allows you to execute the skill that's needed or execute the situation that's needed, mm. whether you need to save a game in the last minute of, the, of the, the game or you need to score in the last minute of the game, scenarios and experiences and, and the work that you've put in allows you just to play uh, instinctively and naturally uh, you still might not get the end result that you're after, but mm. you're not you're not in that moment thinking, overthinking things, and and questioning and doubting yourself. You can just go out and perform and and play a bit more freely. Fascinating. There you go. That's today's uh, 
helping of Tell Me Bryce on motivational reserves. I just find the psychology behind sport so fascinating. We've got a fair few texts coming through, so we'll get to those in a moment. It's currently 9 o'clock. Up next, we've got the week that was. You don't want to miss it because we've had some bizarre stuff happening during the week. The Poms are shutting out the Australians as well for drinks. Uh, Not very nice at all. It's 9 o'clock, top of 15 degrees today. We'll be back with you very soon. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wildpeak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Long. Oh, good morning. So good to have your company today. It's the top of 15 degrees in Adelaide. Possible storms later on. Hard to see with that beautiful sunshine that's coming through our studios. Um, a few texts on 0427154166 coming through. Bryce, what have you got there? i got one from Daniel. He's a bit confused while we're talking about uh, G-strings and disposable underwear. Thought it was a uh, sports show, Tom. Well... Bryce, it is a sports show, but we are put here to entertain and it's Saturday morning. It's time to stay, as we always say, live your life. So we'll just go wherever the boat takes us as I welcome producer Jason to the studio as well. I didn't see the problem. Uh, I'm wearing some disposable (laughs) underwear right now. Yeah. Well, there's a place for them. We're about to talk about a few topics in the week that was. It's a little bit. Left of centre, so uh, Daniel might uh, be a bit flat. Yeah, yeah, but I dare say it'll be entertaining for you, uh, Daniel, because it's time for this. The week that was. Yes, it's been a big week in the news and some bizarre things rolling around. So there's a man in Japan, Bryce, who uh, wanted so badly to become a dog that he's forked out 20 grand for this suit and uh, his partner has taken him for a walk in public. Now, I'm going to ask for your thoughts firstly. What do you think of the suit? Does it look like a real dog to you? If you look at it quickly, it, it probably does. Yeah. Yeah. Like fair income, though. Like... What? Now, is, is this one of those people who's got a bit of a thing for it? Like, Jace, he's dressed up as a dog and asked to be walked like a dog so he can interact with other dogs. What, what's going on mentally for him, Jace? Probably needs to be splayed, uh, I would have thought. <laughs> or, uh, Haven't heard that, wa- that uh, word for a or, or at long least time. just let's make sure that we're not breeding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not a breeder. Well, it's, yeah. uh, it's one of those weird things in Japan. He said... Uh, I don't want my hobbies to be known, especially by people I work with, and that's why I chose a costume to wear. So, interesting. Oi. Next on, we've got the Poms didn't let Australia in for a post-series beer. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this one, Jay. So, are they the most hypocritical uh, bunch right. going around in the world right now? Let's clear this up. So, we had some some SEN cricket crew on the ground there. and Yeah. Barat Sundarason was the man, uh, our very own, who broke this. Mm. Um, and the way it went down is the following. And, and I don't think this excuses the Poms in any way, shape or form because they it's not that they didn't let the Australians in. Mm. It's that after the match, uh, the Australians were waiting patiently to be let into the English dressing room and mm. had sent some messages through and the door was locked to the English dressing room whilst they were doing their presentations, end of series presentations. Right. So this is like the in-house England presentations. Okay. So in the end, they ended up catching up at a nightclub later on. But explain this to me. Mm. 
They walked off the ground after the presentations at roughly 6 o'clock, 6.30 mm. that night, England. The Australians left the ground at 11pm. How long do your end of series presentations uh. take? Give me a spell. That was, I don't care how you look at it, that was Too an long. extended middle, middle finger to Australia. Yeah. And I think the English and their treatment of the Australian cricket team during this series is one of the biggest scandals in world yeah. sport. Ooh. They have been disgraceful in this series, the Poms. And and I know that there are a lot of Australian cricket supporters who uh, who love, the, love Australian cricket yeah. and are very upset and are very much looking forward to the English coming out here in a couple of years' time. I would urge those people not to reciprocate. Yeah. Let's not stoop to their level. Because what they've done and the way they've treated the Australian cricket team in this series is a disgrace. And they need to be ashamed of it. They need to be held to account for oh, it. Absolutely hypocritical. And the way they speak about themselves as well. They, they oh, are the talking moral about... Ashes. Crime. Moral. Jared Waitley gave a really good mm. um, diatribe through the week where he, he repeated the phrase, Crimea River. Crimea yes. River, England. You would think that they are the only team that's ever been affected by rain in the history of world cricket. Yeah, very hypocritical. It gives us an opportunity as well, though, because it's been 14 years ago exactly when the Ashes finished up and we had this magical moment on Adelaide Television on Channel 10 News. And England. Hang on, we'll just get that. Here we go. And England skipper Andrew Strauss arrived in London proudly showing off the little urn. They'll spend four days at home before flying out for the World Cup. And Belinda, I just can't understand how something so small can be... So impressive. Well, Mark, you would know about that. Weather's <laughs> next with Jane Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Just occasionally they... Nice they uh, yeah, very nice little drive-by. I forgot about that. Mark Aston uh, made very famous for that one. Next on the list, we've got Buddy, you know, retired this week. And it's sad for football that he didn't get that final uh, tour, final game, but... The way the, the man is, the nature of him, he probably wouldn't have cared. Bryce, do you have uh, some favourite Buddy Franklin memories? Oh, there's plenty, isn't there, Tom? Yeah. And I remember a lot playing against him too. He, he didn't mind getting on the lip. He, really? Yeah, he was a bit of a trash talker out on the field. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But when you're the best, best player in the comp for so long, you can throw a few words around and not get too many responses when you're – when you're one of the best to, to play the game. So, yeah. look, I, I was not disappointed because that's the way he is, but I would have loved to see him get a send do off. A, do a, or do a press conference or, mm. or, you know, thank the people along the way that I know he would have obviously done that privately, but uh, for, a, for a public forum for, for, for the supporters and members who have followed his career from, from day one, I would have loved to see him speak and, and talk about his journey but um that's the the sort of man he is he's been a very private man over mm. the the 15 20 years that he's been playing in uh, in the competition but uh, what an absolute superstar and yeah as you said sad to go down with a calf but uh yeah one of the best to, to ever play the game yeah he's the he's the rock star of uh, the last 20 years or so probably uh, one of the great in the top five conversation for greatest of all time would you say producer Jase? yes uh, at his prime at his peak no one could do things on the football field that Lance Franklin could do um, there's no question about that and it was a joy to watch as a spectator whether you barrack for the club he was playing for or not but mm. I think what we know about Lance, and, and I hope I hope in the Swans' last home game of the year, which is round 23, they're able to put him on the back of a, 
ute and drive him around the oval and yep. let him send get sent off by the fans that way. But we know he's uber. Um, he has some issues with with crowds, and yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds bizarre, but the way the way it was put to us through the week by Dan Menzel, who spent some time with him in Sydney, is yes. he can be out on the field in front of forty five thousand people and do his thing, no problem. But put him in a room where it's a little bit more intimate, and there's plenty of people packed in a room. He struggles with stuff like that and gets mm. a bit of bit of anxiety, so he tries to avoid those situations. I really hope that there's at some point an opportunity where he can sit down one on one with a a reporter or, or someone in the Sydney me, Sydney media department and mm. do a proper farewell to the fans that way. If you can't do it in a press conference, I hope he gets a chance to do it that way. Yep. Surely at some stage, I mean, he'll have offers coming from everywhere uh, to do a book and yeah. it will be a fascinating book. As was uh, just the last couple of weeks, Joel Selwood's released his first book and I'm, I'm keen to uh, read that one. It's called All In. Goes to show you, doesn't it, with Joel Selwood, just how – much of a fairy tale farewell that was to be yeah, able to go very, out on your own so terms, rare. winning a grand final. It just doesn't happen like that to, to very many people. Like, no. you know, Lance Franklin, one of the best players we've ever seen, and his career ends on a calf injury. So, well, if you're Joel so Selwood, you'd be counting your, your, your chickens, wouldn't you? Your lucky stars. Absolutely. It's so rare also to that, that level of success, say, Rory Sloan at the moment and. Um, uh, Jack Zebel, who's retired this week, you know, they've gone through their whole career without a, a grand final win, like you, Bryce. Well, yeah, <laughs> certainly very hard to win, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Oh, just back the bus yeah, over. So... Cheers, bud. <laughs> no, I'm just that. saying how it's, it's just uh, for most people who go into the system, it's yeah. so rare to come away with uh, that level of success. Well, not 90 Nine percent. Well, yeah, more ninety-five, or however many it is. Whatever percent you put on, it's very high. That majority of players don't go out the way yeah. they would like to. Pavlich, that's, that's just the way it is. Pavlich is another example of an absolute champion who uh, didn't get the premiership he wanted. Finally, boys, week that was. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy and conjecture <laughs> about this sun bear. And I know this is an audio medium, but. If you just Google sun bear, this will be the first thing that comes up. This sun bear in a zoo in China has stood up like a human being at the zoo and people are saying it's just a man wearing a bear suit. What, what are your thoughts? You see the folds You can down see the, back? the crease marks of the jocks. I mean, yeah. there's no way that that is a legit bear. No, no, he's a, he is Sorry, a legit bear. Sorry, give me a bear. spell. No, no, he's a legitimate bear. Give that, me a spell. That's how sun bears uh, erect themselves is they've got those folds down the back there. Anyway, Sydney Taronga Zoo like got dad bod. has confirmed that it is uh, a real bear. Bryce, what's your verdict? Uh, I'm just trying to work out what's going on in these these Asian countries at the moment with, <laughs> with animals. They've got the walking yeah kelpie and the sun bear standing up. That's a human. Yeah, a bit of a what is going on in the world? Yeah, I'd put it to you that the the bear the the sun bear looks more like a person in a bear suit than the dog looks like a human in a dog suit. Yes, that I, I'd take that, Jace. But the result is the bear is a legitimate bear and the dog is just a little Japanese man dressed up as a dog. And we'll leave you with that. <laughs> Looks like a shih tzu to me. Uh, well, it's quarter past nine. Coming up next, we've got a very interesting helping of question time Bryce Gibbs has prepared. Thank you, producer Jace, for joining us. We'll catch you a little bit later for our comprehensive sports report. Thanks. <laughs> 9.15. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre.
This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Wine. Oh, Wyatt. yes, still a massive show to come. We have Gold Coast assistant coach just after 9.30, Tate Kozler, joining us. He's their defensive coach, and we're going to preview uh, what they're going to do to stop the Crows and what uh, how they view this game. They're obviously, mathematically, in inverted commas, still actually in the running for finals, Bryce Gibbs. We've got a message here on 0427154166. We're talking about the squirrel grip with Tuke Miller on Dane Zorka. This is from Brett Morning, guys. For a few years now, I've been noticing some players starting to break the unwritten code of no dobbing just to get a fellow pl- player suspended. I've noticed in footy and Australian society itself becoming a na- nation of crybaby snitching dobbers. What's worse is make it worse for Rioli. I can't believe what this country has become a nation of whinging dobbers. Wow, Brett. Uh, Brett's having a bit of a morning, Bryce. Yeah, I, I sort of can understand where he's coming from a little bit. And mm. there used to be once upon a time a player's code where you could sort of look after each other before, even mm. before sort of, uh, medical reports and, and these sort of things. Yes. So sort of what happens on the field stays on the field. But uh, obviously Dane Zorko felt like something had happened. Mm. He mentioned it. He wasn't heard. Uh, and then yeah, it was pretty I – th- I thought it was left a bit late by the AFL or yeah. whether it was the the uh, match review panel. I don't think it, it wasn't even reported to them. No, I don't no, think so. no. He had to ask for them to inquire – have you ever had something like that happen to you, Bryce, on a footy field? Um, anything invasive? <laughs> yeah, yes, I have actually, Tom. <laughs> not uh, not the old-fashioned squirrel grip, but I was playing in a game at Glenelg Oval, actually, against Central yep. Districts in the reserves. I think I was about 15 at the time and mm. got up out of a pack, uh, a scrimmage, uh, like it was a sort of stacks-on pack. Right. Uh, and it was, I think it, I might have been Hopawadeid. Okay, and just for b- people who so don't remember, someone had, in that pack from the opposition had their fingers in and around my glutes <laughs> area, and I got quite a shock out of yeah, it. And, yeah, And then stood up and turned around, and a uh, one of the opposition players right. basically on the ground laughing just, at me. So I, I was fifteen; I didn't know what to do. I was sort of now was this in, pushed him and sort of got on with it, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Was this in uh, you playing with adults or you playing with other I was uh, other 15 In the reserves at Glenelg. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. A, yeah, in one of the early games there. So Okay. Was uh, wasn't a great well, experience. You've uh, you've learned to, to protect your back door <laughs> yeah, yeah. ever since that day, Bryce. It's uh, time for this. I asked the prime minister, if you are so confident about your view for fight back, why won't you call an early election? Yeah. Yeah. The, the answer is, mate, mate, because I want the to do you slowly. Oh, yes, it's question time, and it's your turn this week, Bryce, to run me through the questions. So fire away. Let's get into it. Okay, so from a Crows supporter, Tom, I know mm. you are a big Crows man. Probably the mm. biggest Crows man. Roy Sloan. Obviously Possibly. been taught about him potentially going on next year. Nothing's yep. been – pen hasn't been put to paper, but it's starting to get some momentum that he, he he's likely to go on next mm. year. From a Crows supporter where Rory Sloan's at in his career, do you think – or would you like to see him go on or would you like to see him hang the boots up? I – would like to see him finish with a little bit left in the tank because at the moment, we're, you know, he's being subbed. Uh, this week I think he's playing as the sub as well 
And he's lost a yard of pace. Now, I acknowledge that Rory Sloan's influence over the younger players in the playing group is imperative and it's important. So I think it's important to have him at the club. I would love to see a situation, though, where maybe he's shoehorned into an assistant coaching role. Maybe um, would they be telling him if he was to sign on for another year that he's not guaranteed a game? Well, potentially. Mm. Potentially. Yeah, you're right. And he could be robbing... Sam Berry. ...playing time of of other young guys that should be playing in this side. Luke Luke Peddler's been rested, Tom, Mm. as it it says. I'm not sure about that, but Mm. I think he'll end up being in the midfield. So is he taking time away from from those guys? Yeah, I'd hate to see him rob an emerging midfielder's time in that space. Someone like a... Uh, someone like a Sam Berry who's playing phenomenal footy in the SANFL right now. He should be getting that midfield time to develop. So, uh, yeah, uh, the short answer, I would like to – I wouldn't want him to sign on for another year because I feel like it um, inhibits that development. Okay. Second question. Uh, the All-Australian captain at mm. this point uh, with a, a month left to go, who would be your pick? Yeah, there's obviously a me, few in the in the conversation. Yeah, but. there's a few captains in the running for the All Australian side. My the first one that comes to mind for me is the Bont. He's just been incredible all year, uh, last night included, and I, I reckon he is the the legitimate contender for All Australian captain. Now, if Dawson was to actually have a really strong last four weeks, he would also be in the running to be that. AA captain, but there's a few in the mix, you know, Sicily, Max Gorn. Um, I'm going with the Bond. That's completely fine. He's had a great year. For mine, it's yeah. Toby Green. Toby Green. I would give Toby Green all yeah. Australian captain this year, just with what the, the, the influence he's had on games with that side. They've obviously gone on a, a pretty good, I think it's six or seven wins in a row now. Mm. And he's had a huge say, especially in close games. He's the one that stands up. Absolutely. He's one of those rare players that can, um, if it's in his vicinity, you know that he's just going to affect that ball and uh, get them over the line. He's been fantastic. Next question, Bryce. Uh, There's been a bit of talk around the Commonwealth Games, Tom. Yes. Obviously, they had it in Ballarat. They had it rural Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, all those ones. A little bit strange to some people. And I Mm. think uh, whoever's hosting the Commonwealth Games next is pulling out of of actually hosting them. Well, so Melbourne, Victoria. Victoria has withdrawn from the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, yeah. So Dan Andrews announced that they're withdrawing from hosting the Games. I think they're still looking. Are they still look, producer Jace? They're still looking for a potential host. Okay, Jace is going to have some more on that in the sports update, but they're still hunting for a place to hold it. But to me, Bryce, it so would be so sad news. Sad news. Sad news You've, for Victoria. You, for Victoria, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> You have some fond memories yep. as a kid growing up watching the Commonwealth Games. I certainly have. Yeah. Would it would it be be sad to see the Commonwealth Games go? It would be sad to see it not go ahead, and I hope that's not the case because these athletes wait for years to have their opportunity at the Com Games and the Olympics. So it would be a, a shame to lose it this time around. I think we're a watch this space, though, for now to see where else it would land, hopefully in Australia somewhere, but... Uh, they're putting the feelers out to well, see where it will be hosted. Well, well, I think the World Championships was run every four years, and that's changed to yeah. every two years. So I think yeah. that actually coincides with the Commonwealth Games. Yes. So 
athletes are looking to perform more at the world champs and the Olympics rather mm. than the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, if that makes sense. So, yep, yep. No, uh, fair question. Um, are you a wine drinker? Certainly. Certainly are. Okay, yes. beautiful. What's your go-to wine and why? But I want you to describe it as if you were holding a taste testing oh, and God. you have to describe the wine. Okay, well, I have no articulation skills when it comes to wine. All I know is that I like it. But my favourite wine will usually be a Pinot Noir so or, or a Grenache. So something a little bit lighter, not so heavy, you know, going down the gullet. Uh, get a bit of heartburn with the heavier wines, actually. So a nice Pinot Noir or if you want a brand, something that's reliable always is the Wira, Wira Church Block, Cab Sav. That's a reliable one for me, Bryce. Okay, very good. Have you ever drunk an expensive bottle of wine, like a Grange, uh, Penfolds Grange? Have you ever had one of them? Yeah, I have. I had a, I think it was a Penfolds. It was a $1,000 bottle of wine with my dad we shared, and it was that good that we had no hangover the next day, like no feeling whatsoever. Can't recommend it. If you, if you can get an expensive bottle of wine, do it. What, just one day in your life. Just once. Uh, and that's it today. I was going to throw you a riddle, but I uh, couldn't find any good ones. So okay. uh, just the four questions okay. for you this, this morning, Tom. It's a five-question segment, and Bryce has decided to end it uh, <laughs> prematurely, not for the first time in his life. Um, we got to get to a break because we uh, come, coming up to the news, Bryce, and then we've got Gold Coast assistant Tate Kessler joining the show. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Long. Alrighty, yes, it's a chock-a-block weekend of footy and Bryce, you were just telling me in the break, massive pre-game show for the Crows v Gold Coast. So you don't want to miss it. How long will that pre-game show go for, Bryce? I think we're on air for an hour. An hour? Yeah. Usually they're quite short. AFL Nation, so tune in from about 12.30, Tom. Yep, plenty to sink your teeth into before the Crows uh, take on the Suns at Adelaide Oval. We've got to get to the news because afterwards we've got the Suns' assistant coach, Tate Kessler, uh, works the defensive lines, Bryce. He's going to be joining us to uh, have a chat about that game. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Hey, yeah, good morning. So good to have your company today. It's a massive game for the Crows and Suns today at 1.40, Bryce. You can hear it on AFL Nation at Adelaide Oval. Dare I say it, they're both still a mathematical chance to make finals. And Suns defensive coach Tate Kessler has been kind enough to jump on this morning. Uh, Tate, where have we got you now? Yeah, good morning, lads. Uh, look, I'm standing outside... Um at the end of Arundel Mall, actually, with the beautiful weather, that hopefully it's going to be a great afternoon for us to uh, yeah, put on a show here at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, nice. You, you spent a bit of time here, Tate, at the Crows yourself. How does it feel, good, uh, feel to be back home in Adelaide? Yeah, look, I always love getting back here to Adelaide. Um, obviously, originally grew up and, and lived here and, yeah, spent, I think it was 12 years in the end at the Crows. And, um, yeah, look, it's good to get back into the into the city and, um, you know, play at Adelaide Oval. Obviously, I don't get to run out with the boots, which would be really nice. But, um, look, it's a great place to play. And, and we feel we've played some good footy here um, generally when we've come. We just haven't been able to quite get over the line. So we're looking forward to hopefully doing that today. Yeah, morning, Tate. Uh, you've 
the boys have been in some uh, cracking form the last couple of weeks, obviously beating St Kilda and the informed Brisbane as well. What have been the, the key pillars to uh, to the form turnaround with, uh, with the new coach or the new interim coach in place at the moment? Yeah, morning, Gibber. Good to speak to you again, mate. Um, yeah, look, it's... Um, I think the big thing is what we've tried to do as a, as a coaching group is keep the players focused and, and just keep them, you know, keep their eyes lowered week at a time. I know it's an old cliche, but I think, you know, the, the you know, challenge that we had obviously when, when Dewey departed was, you know, trying to, you know, you get different emotions from different players. Some, you know, really enjoyed their time. Some sort of maybe saw it as an opportunity. So the big thing for us was to, to narrow the focus, but bring it back to what are their strengths? Why did they get drafted? Why are they playing at the Gold Coast Suns? And, and what can we get out of them? The most we can get out of them and get to the line um, as, as well as we can. So, you know, Kingy's been fantastic in bringing the group together, you know, coming up with different themes each week and, you know, really narrowing that focus in on, and, bring, and players bringing their strengths to the game, whether they're a mid-forward or back. We just want to see them, you know, play with that, that flair and, and excitement that they bring and why they got drafted. Yep. Uh, coming up against Adelaide today, mate, uh, you, they've uh, got quite a potent attack. What are you guys most wary of, though? What, what do you reckon you need to shut down in Adelaide's game to have a chance today? Yeah, well, I think probably the, the, their midfield is, is quite a, you know, a ball-winning midfield. They've, you know, with Laird, Crouch, um, those guys in there that can, you know, obviously win a lot of footy. So the big thing for us is um, making sure we minimise their metres gained when they win the footy. Hopefully get them to kick laterally, which I know Laird, can do a little bit. So I'll have a chat to him before <laughs> the game. But, I mean, you know, Jordan Dawson's another one that's a really potent um, midfielder for them and, you know, gives them a fair bit of flexibility. Sometimes he can go forward, sometimes he can go back. So, you know, we've got to really make sure that we break even in the contest there and, and get the ball in our half. But, Probably big mate, big Texan. He's uh, obviously on fire at the moment, so he's going to cause me some headaches today. But, um, you know, Sam Collins has done a really good job on him previously, so, you know, he'll get the opportunity. And we've also got Charlie Ballard and Mac Andrew here who are in, you know, fantastic form. So um, we feel they've got a little bit to worry about from our back line as well. But, yeah, I'd say their midfield and their forward line are the most, you know, their big weapons. And, you know, we probably feel that if we can get an opportunity against their defenders, it's probably the area of the game where we can get on top. Uh, you've obviously spent a lot of time here, as you mentioned, Tate. Uh, the Crows obviously coming off the showdown um, can be a little bit flat uh, the week post the showdown. Obviously a big big game emotionally for, for both sides over here, as you know. Will that be crucial to start really well today? Yeah, definitely, Giver. Um, I think that's the most important thing in these games. And, you know, we're, we're coming in as the underdogs and, and we're happy with that. And that's what we've sort of prepared for. So we know with, a, you know, the hostile crowd that we've got here, the, the number of Crows supporters, you know, I remember witnessing days on end, you know, where you used to love going to this ground with that supporter group. Um, we know that, you know, it's a challenge and there's going to be, you know, not many Suns supporters in the crowd, so we've got to create our own atmosphere. But I feel like the start of the game is going to be really important. And, you know, we did that pretty well last week. We felt we got off to a really good start against Brisbane. And I feel if we can bring our contest work and our pressure like we did last week, we're going to make it um, really hard for the Crows to move the footy. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit more about Sam Flanders? He's, he's having a bit of a breakout year. He's been terrific through the midfield, spending a lot more time through there. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, it's allowing guys like Anderson to, to get a bit more outside ball and, and use 
uh, his kicking. Um, tell us about Sam Flanders and, and what he's been doing to take his game to another level because he's been fantastic for you guys this year. Yeah, he has, mate. And the thing with Sam, he, he, we always knew he was going to be a really high-quality player. Um, it's probably just taken him a little bit longer to settle into his role and, and maybe the expectations around what we're after. But what we've found now, he put in you know a mountain of work in the VFL playing as a as a midfield forward, um, and that was probably the area we really saw him um, going to be you know, at his best. So he's he's been able to now come in and win a lot of contested footy, like as you said, which then allows guys like Noah Anderson and even Rowley getting some outside ball, um, you know, just to, to be able to create another avenue for us inside mid. So it does take the attention away from, you know, guys like Noah Anderson a little bit now that they can play with a little bit more freedom because we've got three or four midfielders now that, you know, teams need to worry about. So we've been really impressed with Sam and his attitude, the way he's gone about it at the VFL level. And now he's becoming, a, you know, a really potent force for us in our AFL team. Yeah, you've got a real glut, a nucleus of really cool young players uh, at the Gold Coast. One who may be lesser known in other states, but you've got a nice little rising star nod, Mac Andrew. Um, he's under your watch in the defence at the moment, playing down back. But can you illuminate to the listeners what sort of player he might be? Will he be a defence player for his career or where could he end up? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think Max. I think Max got the capabilities to be um, at either end of the ground. I think he could be a tall winger. Um, he could even potentially, um, you know, down the track play as a, a backup ruckman because he's got really good endurance. Um, he works the ground. As you can see, he's he's a really um, strong aerial presence. And I think that's probably the the one thing that's really be, uh, helped us become a potent backline is, you know, Charlie Ballard started the season off outstandingly was, you know, in All-Australian contention. Um, Sam Collins is just continually plays his role. But Max come in now as that sort of third tall and being, you know, a, an absolute presence in the air that's helped out those guys a lot. So, look, he's a, he's a young, young kid. We, we stuck with him early on in the season when he probably wasn't playing his best footy um, because we saw a lot of potential in, in where he can get to for this football club. And, um, you know, his last month has been outstanding in terms of his intercept possessions. Um, he actually uses the ball really well, and um, he's just got an uncanny um, instinct of, of reading the play. If you watch him today, he reads mm. it quicker than anyone, and he's got uh, he's obviously 202 centimetres, but he puts his arms up, and he's 270 centimetres, so um, he's very hard to reach, um, and he's got great closing speed. So, look, he's an exciting talent that, you know, as I said, he could potentially play anywhere on the ground in the future. Hey, uh, Took Miller, a bit of a suspension this week. Have you spoken with him since? How's he feeling? Yeah, look, it's obviously really disappointing the way that, that that one panned out throughout the week after, you know, the match review panel obviously cleared it. Um, but to Took's credit, he jumped on the plane with us. He's over here in Adelaide. Um, he's put it all aside. Um, he just wants the best for the team. So it just shows the character. You know, obviously he's really disappointed that he's not playing. Um, but as captain, yeah, he said, I've got to be there with the team. Um, I, I want to be around the boys. So he, he came over. He'll um, he'll sit, I think, in the box today um, with the group. But he, yeah, but again, it's really disappointing. But um, you know, it's time to move on, and, and he'll be looking forward to next week. Oh, thanks, Tate, for joining us today and giving us some of your insight ahead of this massive game. Um, just before we let you go, 
how would you like to work alongside Damien Hardwick? Does that have a pretty nice ring to it? <laughs> uh, well, that's all the rumours at the moment, isn't it? I, uh, I haven't been keeping up. I don't, I don't read social media. Now, look, obviously the club's going through a process now of um, looking for a new appointment. Um, as I said, you know, I've, you know, Stephen King's done an absolutely fantastic job with pulling this group together, and I'll. Uh, I'll leave that to the, the uh, people to be to make those decisions. And, yeah, whoever's the coach next year, I look forward to hopefully staying on board. Nice diplomatic answer there, Tate. Um, <laughs> thanks so much, mate, for joining us, and good luck today. No, no worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Tate Kessler, Gold Coast Suns defensive coach there, Bryce. And it makes for a fascinating contest today. These two sides are closer than you think. Yeah, and, and as he said, he's going to have his hands full with what Adelaide's forward line is going to dish up. We know Tex is in all-Australian form. Mm. Joshua Shelley comes back into this side as well. Harry Schomburg, Ben Keyes is playing some good footy. So Tate Kaysler being control in control of the, the Gold Coast defence, he's going to have some uh, some headaches, that's for sure. So if they can get it, win the ball around the stoppages and just keep it away from Adelaide's forward line, that'll, uh, that'll be a huge help for him and, and his headaches in this yeah, one. Yeah, Gold Coast can be a very dangerous side. Hey, we were talking about whether Rory should be signed on for another year or not. Would it be detrimental to the Crows' development? And Dracos has said, Rory is a fantastic player, but it's time I think he hangs up the boots. Unfortunately, he's running on the spot at times. He's lost a yard of pace. That one from Drakos on 0427154166. We're also talking about the most bizarre things you've seen on field off the back of Took Miller's uh, squirrel grip. And uh, Bryce Gibbs, you told me you've been uh, huckawatted. Huckawatted. as they say. wandering in holes that shouldn't be happening. Dan Rampey climbing the post a couple of years ago. That's a bit Bit, left field. Yeah, he got yeah. suspended for that, I reckon. Yeah, he did. I don't know. He was, he was trying, trying to, to shake the post. Well, trying to touch it, wasn't he? I don't know. Yeah. I think he was trying to touch the ball before it. Yeah, he's trying to elevate himself to get yeah. a little bit higher. Yeah, that was a bizarre one. Hey, we've got to get to a break because producer Jace is absolutely primed. He's been priming himself all morning for this with a comprehensive sports wrap. We're going to preview the Matildas as well. It's currently 948 <laughs> City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W all-terrain tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Good morning. It's 9.52, top of 15 degrees today. Still a lot to come. We're about to do our sports report with producer Jace. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you, Bryce. Sure. We were just talking to uh, Gold Coast Suns assistant Tate Kessler, and it seems that during the week, it's emerged that their pick five, as it currently sits, is going to be on the table for whichever club can come up with the best offer. And the reason that their pick five is on the table is because they've got so many academy kids coming through that will go early in the draft that they their pick five would just get swallowed up. So it would be a waste. So they've got to get something good for it. And the two teams who are leading the charge for this are Melbourne and the Adelaide Crows. Cal Twomey Cal spoke about that on his podcast this week. 
We've seen Melbourne do this over their history. This is how they've got Clayton Oliver, who remains one of the best ever draft picks of all time. So never forget how they've done it before. Adelaide, I think, will come to the party and see if they can get into it. They've got picks 7, 20 and 24. They'll have a dip. They've got those second round picks to throw into the mix. One's tied to North Melbourne as well. So I can't see them including their first round pick unless they scoot up the board a little bit further and get into the finals, which is still possible. So if you were Adelaide's drafting team, what do you reckon they need to focus on most at the draft this year? Yeah, it's, a good, up. it's a good question. I'm just looking at their side in today. I'd, I'd probably try and prioritise a, a key back. I mean, we've seen Murray go mm. down. We've seen Butts go down. So we get a look at Borlace. We'll see if he's up to it. Obviously, Mark Keane held his own pretty yeah. well last week in his first game for the Crows. So... Josh Worrell's looking, looking like he's coming on, but he's sort of going to be that third tall intercept player. So my first thought goes to key defenders. Tom? Okay. I, I reckon they could invest, yeah, in the key defender, po- possibly a mature ager or a cheapie, but I'd love to see the Crows get a midfielder with pace yeah, at this year's draft. There's a kid called Colby McKercher from uh, Tasmania. He's guaranteed to go in the top five. So if they want to get someone like that, they've probably got to do a deal with someone like the Gold Coast. But right now, we've got producer Jace in the studio to give us the latest. It's time for this. This Saturday scoreboard. Good to be back in, gentlemen, um, to talk sport rather than sunbears. The Commonwealth Games, we were talking about that earlier on. They're on on live support, boys. Really? so it's emerged overnight that Alberta, Canada, who'd won the 2030 bid, have pulled out. And this is what? on back of uh, Victoria pulling out in 2026. So bearing in mind that 2022 was supposed to be in Durban, um, mm. that ended up in England. So the last three host cities that have won the rights have effectively pulled the pin on hosting. So, And this is because of the costs. It's unviable. Yeah. Uh, they're not getting bang for their buck. So that tells me that if the Commonwealth Games is to survive, it's going to have to pivot very quickly um, and probably cull a number of sports. Um, mm. It's about the stadium that they have to build and then the return that they get on, on investment for that sort of stuff and yeah. all of the um, upgrades you have to make to public transport and accommodation facilities and things like that. So I think if the Commonwealth Games is to survive, it'll be on a scaled back um, basis. Yeah. But I think the Commonwealth Games, as we know it, this is the death knell for it. Jeez. So... With the 2026, Victoria, Dan Andrews uh, have withdrawn. Yes. But is that one now, are they seeking another place to host it or is it they just are. done? They are, and it could end up being a, uh, a multi-city bid in Scotland. Um, Scotland? Scotland, yeah. So, But I think whatever whatever format it is going forward, you're likely to see the, yeah. the number of sports culled back to maybe athletics, swimming, um, some of the traditional sports. Uh, yeah. I think some of the more out-there sports that have gone down – in skateboarding, yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. I, I don't think you're going to see that at mm. the Commonwealth Games. Such in a the shame. Future. That's, yeah. a, that's a shame. Yep. Uh, some other news: ugly incident last night at Marvel Stadium. Marlon Pickett. Um, don't know if you saw this. Uh, Bontempelli mm. and he had a contest in the pocket. Um, he lost the contest. Bontempelli ran into an open goal, and whilst that was happening, Pickett was getting grabbed by someone in the crowd. Really? Yeah. So, so hang on, they've reached across the fence. Yeah, I've, I've seen the footage of it, and someone, and I don't know, it's 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 not clear footage, so I don't know if the guy who reached over was doing so to pat him on the back or whatnot. But Pickett certainly didn't like it, um, right. and he went over to the security guards at three quarter time. So expect that to be an issue. 
Bryce, you've played in front of 90,000 people at the MCG. You ever mm. been grabbed by a supporter? And if so, was it confronting? No, I haven't been grabbed by a supporter, but that's why there's a fence there. Yeah. To separate <laughs> the players from yeah. the supporters. Pay your 30 bucks, come yell and scream. Um, but do not touch. Pop plenty of, of, you know, words over the fence. Absolutely. If that's what you want to do, go nuts. But... You can't, be, you can't be touching players. So mm. I, I'd expect the AFL to, to come down with a pretty severe penalty in this yeah. situation and just stamp this out because you, you cannot be coming to the football yeah. and thinking you can you know, reach over the fence and, and be touching players. And that's the thing that got me with this one. I mean, it, often we see players who are desperate for the footy and they're sort of half over the fence and, and spectators are trying to keep them in the field of play or protect themselves or whatnot. That's fine. Uh, we, we get that. There's there's some grey area in this. But to me, this one wasn't grey. It looked to me, from what I saw of the vision, that this spectator reached over the fence to, to put his hand on a player. And if you're mm. going to do that, you don't deserve to be in an AFL venue, in my opinion, whether it was um, playful or not. Yeah, I think that's. I think we, most people would agree with that. As I say to my four-year-old when we're in the shops, look but don't touch. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, last bit I've got for you today, and there's there's two points that I've got to make here yeah. very quickly. Um, Melbourne United have signed Ian Clark. You may remember Ian Clark was playing for the 36ers at the back end of last year, mm. so he won't be back for the 36ers this year. He'll be off to Melbourne United, and huge news. And I know what you're going to say before I say it in the world of baseball. <sighs> yeah, I knew, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. But this is big news for yeah. us here in Adelaide because uh, the Adelaide Giants own Curtis Mead will become the 37th Australian player to make his Major League debut really? tomorrow. Yes, this right, is huge for, news. For who? For the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, who are top of their division at the moment too, just quietly. The minimum MLB salary, how about this, $720,000. That's $1.1 million Australian dollars. Cha-ching. 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 And he'll be back playing in the summer. So, Curtis Mead, we wish you all the best. That's all I've got for you this morning, boys. Very comprehensive, as always, Jase. It's 10 o'clock, so we're going to get to the news. But still to come, big preview of uh, Port and Geelong's game. I think Geelong are quite vulnerable at this point. And we've got our very own Mark Bickley coming up next. We're going to preview uh, the Crows, Port Adelaide, all things AFL with Mark Bickley up next. It's 10 o'clock. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Long. Oh, yes. Good morning. So good to have your company today. It's the top of 15 degrees today in Adelaide. Almost had an aneurysm there, Bryce. My brain didn't connect with my mouth. Um, 15 degrees, maybe some showers later on in the Arvo, but big games with big repercussions for both of our South Australian teams so we thought we'd get who else but the most astute football brain uh, in the SEN stable here in South Australia. Mark Bickley is on the line. Bix, how are you going? Yeah, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> um, look, what are you? We've been discussing Rory Sloan's plight this morning. It's possible that he gets signed on for another year. What What are your thoughts around that and for Adelaide's development if uh, Sloaney who has been an all-timer for the Crows and it been wonderful if he's taking up a midfield spot, uh, say, for a Sam Berry next year. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, look, I think it's always done in, um, you know, looking at your list. You know, like, so Adelaide have still got a really young list and they've got blokes like Rochelle and Saligo and Pedler and all those guys who are going to try and sort of run through the middle of the ground. So, yeah, if, you, if you've got a young list profile, you can afford to have one or two older players. And, and this is where the decision maybe also made in conjunction with what ends up happening with Matt Crouch as well. And so mm. I just think that he adds so much to the footy club in, in so many other areas. So in terms of a list of 40, I, I just feel like, you know, having someone of the quality of Sloan on your list around those young players is, is a good thing. So um, he certainly won't be on the, the dollars that he would have been on in his last contract. And I think that's the way that the game moves. That even if you th- feel like Geelong and you look at some of their really good players, they're on very modest contracts. And I think that's the way Adelaide will end up going with Sloan. Could you see a situation where... Uh, because his impact on the younger players is so profound and he's such an amazing leader, is Rory Sloan, where they say, look, we're going to ha- sign you on for a year, but we want to integrate you with some more coaching stuff and you may not play every week. Yeah, look, I think I think that's been done before. And, um, you know, one thing I'd know about Rory Sloan is that he's a, you know, he's not someone who's a... Uh, he just accepts that, uh, you know, the common opinion is he's, he's you know, his footy ability is sort of waning and he, you know, may not play every week. Like he's, he's someone who, you know, loves proving people wrong. He's, mm. he's single-minded. He's really professional the way he prepares himself. Not dissimilar to, to what we've seen with Travis Boak in recent times. So I just feel like, you know, that, you know, the Adelaide Footy Club will be saying probably, no, if there's if it's a line ball between you and a younger bloke, we're going to pick the younger bloke. But I think Rory Sloan will back himself to get himself in really good shape and play some good footy. And and hopefully, if he plays really good footy, he earns his side, you know, on merit and you know makes a really strong contribution for the footy club. Uh, Bix, just a couple of your thoughts on the Crows Gold Coast game today. Both sides uh, technically can can still play finals this year if they keep winning. We spoke to Tate Kaysler, the backline coach for the Gold Coast Suns, and and he um, mentioned they can get Adelaide with their their young, inexperienced backline in today. Uh, where do you think it'll be won and lost in uh, in this one? Yeah, look, I, I think. That that's certainly the that's the obvious one, isn't it? When you look at how decimated Adelaide's defence has been, particularly the big talls, and you've got pretty much Keane and and Borlase and and Worrell. They're the three you know keys defenders, and, and we know that you know uh, Ben King was in great form last week. Casbolt can clunk it, and and Lukosius kicked five last time they played. So really, you know, not rocket science, but the midfield's going to be so critical, isn't it? And and you feel like Gold Coast have been dealt a blow with, with Took Miller, you know, being a last-minute suspension. We know that Raul and Anderson and Swallow are, are really good players. And I think probably Anderson's the pick of those three. And he's the one that Adelaide needs to make sure that, you know, he's not getting a lot of ball on the outside. So I think they'll, they'll put a bit of time into him. But I feel like Laird and, and uh, Crouch, you know, they're very good nick in terms of winning the footy. And they, they won the contest convincingly last week. So... I think they'll back himself in there, but they've just got to make sure that if the ball does flip to the outside, that they've got some measures in place where Anderson and, and even Atkins has been in really good form. You know, he had 28 last week, and he's someone who uses the ball pretty well. So they just want to make sure they don't let the ball on the outside, which is, you know, sometimes where they can get hurt. Yeah, that's certainly what they did well in the showdown. As the, you know, people saying Adelaide's midfield is a little bit slower than it is today as well, but they closed down those uh, outsiders uh, with some really good tackling and then uh, kept it in close, which was good. 
Can we pivot now, Bix, to uh, Geelong, Port Adelaide? Um, the Cats, to me, are probably the most vulnerable. They've been in a little while with Hawkins is out, Mark Blixarfs is out. If you're Port Adelaide, what are you focusing on to, to get the W over there? Yeah, uh, look, I, I think if I'm Port Adelaide, I'm focusing really heavily on what they're doing. And, you know, like, I'm sure Geelong supporters are looking at Port's team and saying they've never been more vulnerable without Lysette and Dixon, you know, two big aggressive players. Uh, you know, they're missing um, a, a few others with injury as well. And so it's, um, you know, both sides, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. But so when, you, when you're not playing all that well, though, you just have to focus on getting back to what you know works and, I think in the, the first half last week, Port Adelaide's pressure count was around 175 to 185, and the Crows were, was over 200 for the first and second quarter. So, you know, so much of Port Adelaide's good work in the first half of the season has been about getting out the opposition and creating turnover and getting it forward, winning that territory game and then locking it in. They just haven't been able to do that. Adelaide, I read something in the first half, had five goals from defensive 50 chains and going all the way down and, and scoring. So, you know, Port Adelaide have to ramp up the pressure. Uh, Willie Rioli comes back in. That'll help. Uh, you know, but like I said, both teams are vulnerable. It's who's going to get their hands on it around the contest. And, and I think that'll be the challenge for Port. Can Rosie and Butters, who we know are pretty good, can they be ably supported by some of the, the lesser lights through the, through the midfield for Port Adelaide? And Bix, just one more before we let you go. We know you're a busy man. Uh, the sanctions handed down to Port Adelaide during the week for the concussion incident, fair and reasonable, or they got uh, let off, you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I find it hard to, to judge. You know, 100000 bucks is, um, is a lot of money. The big one, though, is, is it comes out, 50% of it comes out of their footy department spend, which is their soft cap and... You know, like every club spends every dollar of that. So, you know, when you lose 50 grand, something has to sort of give. So, you know, there's going to be, they'll be looking over that uh, expense line on, on that footy department and saying, where are we mm. going to find 50 grand? So I reckon that's pretty tough. But um, at the same time, I thought it was, a, you know, it was a fairly big breach when you looked at that collision, when you looked at the players. Uh, you know, I think most people just shook your head and say, how did that happen? And so there had to be something pretty substantial on the back of it. And yeah, I don't know, probably around the mark. Um, yeah. So what, what I was worried about was if it was a hundred grand and it came out of the footy. Oop, just hit his uh, mute button there, Bix. And he's just drifted away. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was uh, the thoughts of Mark Bickley right there. Uh, So wonderful to have him on. You can hear Jared Walsh and Mark Bickley on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursdays during the week. Bryce, do you think the 100 grand was a big enough deterrent for other clubs or do you think something else should have been taking place? Yeah, well, as Bick said, a chunk of that coming out of the the footy department is significant. That essentially just could cost someone their job, which is Mm. what you don't like to see and... They will be a little bit less resourced, Port Adelaide, next year for that. But oh, I don't know. I, I reckon the AFL could have gone down a path, maybe pushing back some draft picks Ooh, or whoa. something like that, whether the you know, second or third round go to the back of that round yeah. to, to make a statement because some clubs can afford to, to pay a fine and, and you know get, a, get away with it. Someone like a Collingwood or, or even a West Coast, some of the real wealthy clubs – you know, 100 grand to them is probably not that much. So 
by punishing a team with draft picks or, or something like that, it, that would scare teams a lot more and would stamp it out completely really quickly, I think. Whether that's fair and reasonable, that's up for debate, but I would have probably gone down down that path. Yeah, probably a, a far bigger deterrent if you are able to affect their their actual on-field stuff with a... Yeah, I don't mind that idea of sliding a, a late draft pick back a little bit. Well, it, it can't be too late in the draft because yeah. some teams don't even use their later picks. So it yeah, has to yeah. be, you know, first round pick might be a little bit yeah. stiff, but, you know, certainly a second or a third round or both of them in there somewhere is probably... Yeah, the right spot. David King spoke during the week about the incident, and these were his thoughts. I would also put premiership points and or draft uh, national draft pick sanctions as a suspended penalty. That this cannot happen again at this club for a period of time. Mm. Call it five years, call it ten years. The the actual management of this football club have to override and show that they are taking concussion seriously from here forward. You actually don't mind that from uh, Kingy because you always got to think, imagine if it was your own kid and they sent them back out there after that type of hit. They were both out cold. Uh, Lockie Jones even did the, you know, the arm thing when uh, someone's knocked out. But Bryce, we're going to get to a break. It's the top of 15 degrees today. Up next, we're going to be casting our eye closely over the Port Adelaide game and a few other of the big headlines from the week. It's currently quarter past 10. Get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All Terrain Tire. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, the Bulldogs getting the win last night, 126 to Richmond, 71. Big one for those doggies uh, getting themselves pretty much locked for the eight later this year. Bryce, we were just talking about the concussion incident in the showdown and sanctions and what it could possibly look like. And we've got George on the phone right now who's uh, given us a call. Good morning, George. Good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, just wanted to weigh in on the uh, calling for draft picks, yeah. um, especially someone like Kingy. So um, what I'm hearing is that uh, Port Adelaide has mismanaged the situation and people are calling for draft picks. Mm. North Melbourne's been mismanaging situations for ages and people are giving them draft picks. Yes. How does that make sense? <laughs> That's actually... Uh... Uh, almost a fair comparison, but yeah, I, I'd hate to see North actually be rewarded um, for mediocrity with uh, with draft picks. But yeah, George, it was just uh, you know what what would be the the best deterrent from a side um, putting uh, you know a player who's clearly um, can cast back out on the ground. Well, how come the AFL standing aside from the situation? It's not a matter of putting it all on the clubs. How about the AFL puts an independent doctor and makes the call? That's actually a take, great take idea. Take it out of the club's hands altogether. Yeah. No, that's good, George. I think uh, that's exactly where it's headed is where the uh, – I think the NRL and uh, American football has gone as well. But, yeah, George, with some um, good thoughts there, maybe uh, making an independent person from the AFL. Um, Bryce, Port Adelaide taking on Geelong down at uh, – what do they call it these days? GMHBA, GMHBA Stadium. Stadium. Yep, and so the outs for Geelong are Mark Blixavs and Tom Hawkins. Asava Radigalia coming back into the side. Now for Port, Ollie Lord, Tom Jonas and Willie Rioli. Some nice ins there, but of course, Aliyah Aliyah having that week out after that head knock. Charlie Dixon, Kane Farrell, Lockie Jones is out injured as well. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's a really hard game to pick actually, Tom. I think it's going to be a, a close game, this one, and mm. obviously... 
Geelong, we know, are, are so strong at GMHBA Stadium, even though they lost to Fremantle mm. last week, which doesn't happen too often. And they certainly don't lose two in a row down there. I don't think Port have won down there since about 2007. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating battle. Oh, I just, yeah, with some key outs for, for both sides. Uh, I just think this one will be sort of won in and around the contest. I know yep. most games are these days, but... Geelong's sort of been a bit poor once the, the ball le- bubbles outside the, the initial contest. And mm. that's where Port have got some real weapons in, in Butters, Rosie, Horn Francis, the, these sort of guys. Once they get on the outside, they can use their wheels. Um, they defend the gra- this ground really well, Geelong. So you've got to mm. be bold and take some risks with your, your inside kick, sort of go out wide to start with. And then once yep. you sort of get to the, the fatter part of the oval, even though it is a, a skinny ground, you can open up the middle if you're, if you're bold and, and want to go for those kicks. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Port can do that. Um, although Port's defence have been a little bit bit average mm. in the past couple of weeks. I think they might even be in the bottom five or six in the comp for the year in terms of their defence and, and slowing yep. teams down. So if Geelong can can get a bit of a run on, that's where they can hurt them. But it's uh, it's going to be a, a pretty close contest and a really tough one to pick in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Ken Hinckley will have them wound up because they've lost a few on the trot. So Port Adelaide are going to come out pretty uh, pretty fired up. And, of course, Geelong, well, they lost to Frio last week. So they they rarely, if ever, let that happen twice in a row at GMHBA Stadium. So um, it's going to be a tight one for sure. And it'll be interesting, as usual, to see how Port's defence stands up without a Lear there. So they've got Trent McKenzie, Tom Jonas, are there, sort of their tools, and then around them, Ryan Burton. And um, one who I like this year is Dylan Williams. He's had a pretty good year. He has. And who goes to Jeremy Cameron? Mm. So no Hawkins, we know, no Blixars. He plays, uh, can be a go down and, and take a catch as well. So Jeremy Cameron's going to be the, mm. the focus in the forward line. I just can't see a Trent McKenzie going with him. I can't see Jonas going with him. Do they play a, a Ryan Burden mm. or anymore? We've seen a Miles Bergman go back and, and play a lot taller. He might have the athleticism to to go with Cameron, who likes to get up uh, up the ground, run his opponent around, turn him around and run back towards goal. So if uh, Jeremy Cameron could uh, be in for a huge day against this Port Adelaide defence. Yeah, yeah, and he certainly plays well down there. Jeremy Cameron. I say if Port Adelaide are a chance, they've got to have some goals from their tools in uh, Todd Marshall and Ollie Lord, who's shown that he can uh, break a pack open. So a bit of pressure on those guys. But one guy who I quite liked last week, Bryce, was Francis Evans. He's a pretty pretty sneaky goal sneak. Yeah, he is. Kick three goals in. Uh, he's one of the, the shining lights. Yeah. Not many winners on the day for, for Port Adelaide. But, yeah, he's been in good form. The other one that needs to stand mm. up is Jeremy Finlayson. I think he's been mm. quiet in the last month, maybe two months. Yeah. He, uh, he's obviously had a, a big year, but uh, he needs to step up in this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Bryce, Adelaide Crows have given Luke Pedler a rest. This is what Matthew Nix had to say about that. Woodpeds won't play this week, so that'll be one we've we've made the call on yesterday. Um, just going to rejuvenate him, give him an opportunity to get back to his best. His form's been a little off, and some of that's the fact that he's grinding and really no lack of effort. Played his role on the weekend in a great team win, but you know we want to get him back to his best, so he won't play. Is it more of management or an omission? Um, 
I mean, there's probably more management in it, but there's also a form part to that. I mean, sometimes when the body's a bit banged up and bruised, it's hard to perform at the level. Luke Pedler in his uh, second year, I think, so um, still building his fitness. Well, Matty Nix mentioned the form word, and unfortunately for him, there's no Sandful game this weekend, so it's yeah. going to be a complete rest. Sometimes that can help you, sometimes that can hinder you not having a, a game to play, so we'll see how that plays out next week. Yeah, it'll be nice to see Pedler finish strong. We're going to get to a break and uh, wrap things up with our final tips, particularly on the Port Geelong game. It's 25 past 10. City Discount Tyres. Buy three, get one free on the popular Falcon Wild Peak AT3W All-Terrain Tyre. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, it's been a big show. You can catch up on whatever we've spoken about. You know, the interviews with <laughs> Tate Kessler and uh, Bix. We've also done a massive week that was. All of that stuff is up on the podcast, Gibber. Um, also, Monday night. How are you feeling about the Matildas' chances against Denmark? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited, that's for sure. Mm. Sam Kerr, obviously, been training. We might see her back. Yes, without the strapping or anything. For the first time in this tournament. So, well, we can only believe, can't we? I think yeah. I think they can beat, beat Denmark. Yeah, I think they're a red-hot chance, and it'll be fantastic. It just would have been right if we didn't see Sam Kerr out there for the World Cup. So, it's going to be... Fascinating watch, the Matildas. Um, who's your tip out of Adelaide Gold Coast, Bryce? I think the Gold Coast can upset Adelaide in this one. Really? Tom. Yep, I think. Yeah. Uh, they're just going really well at the moment. Confidence is up. And yep. they, this is a danger game for Adelaide. And Port Geelong? I'm going to tip Geelong just, just because yeah. it's down there and they don't lose two games in a row down there very often. Yeah, it's certain to be a tight one. Uh, what do you got up, coming up after this, Bryce? A bit of coverage. Straight to Adelaide Oval yep. to uh, cover the game on AFL Nation. So looking forward to that. You can hear it live and free. On the SCN app. On the SCN app. All right, have a nice weekend.